Hello and welcome to Gospel Chapel. My name is Doug Dunbar. I'm the lead pastor here. Today we are wrapping up our four-week study on the Sabbath. The Sabbath is a reminder that God is our creator and our redeemer. Our life begins in him, is sustained by him, is restored through him, and is rescued because of his gracious work for us in Jesus Christ. If you want to learn more about Sabbath, I would encourage you to head to practicingtheway.org and they have a whole series on Sabbath there, very similar to what we've just done in this four-part series, uh, looking at Sabbath as rest, as stopping, as delighting in God, and as worship. And we've kind of followed uh, that outline a little bit. Also, that comes out in uh, the book Emotionally Healthy Spirituality by Pete Scazzaro. He has a whole chapter on that. If you go to our website at gospelchapelgf.com, you'll also find a PDF there that has a summary of the practice of Sabbath and where we've been in this series and also resources for further study. So I'd encourage you to check that out. As always, on our website as well, there are things uh, for you to check out uh, about our ministries, what we do as Gospel Chapel, how we are uh, serving our community and helping one another follow Jesus. You can also submit prayer requests to us there. There's a prayer request form and we'd love to hear from you in that format. So today we are looking at Psalm 92. This is the only Psalm that is specifically dedicated or written for the Sabbath. In the Ten Commandments, this repeated refrain is that the Sabbath day is holy to the Lord. And while it's a day of rest and renewal for us, the focus of this day should be on God. Psalm 92 celebrates God, that he has worked for his people, that he fills us with joy and songs of worship. It's a psalm to be sung together in the congregation as we worship our God. Today we're looking at Psalm 92, and Psalm 92 is the only psalm in the whole of the book of Psalms that has this little superscription, this title uh, for the Sabbath day. For the Sabbath day. And sometimes, and even in my notes, I get a little confused because in the Hebrew Bible, that first thing, a psalm, a song for the Sabbath, is actually in the Hebrew Bible, verse 1. Uh, they've actually attached a verse number to that, so all my verse numbers are off by one uh, when I get to reading it in English. Uh, but that's, uh, that's okay. I'll, I'll hopefully be able to make the connections from my notes to what I'm reading. But let's read Psalm 92 together. Let's stand and, and let's hear this declaration, this song for the Sabbath. It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night. To the music of the lute and the harp, to the melody of the lyre, for you, O Lord, have made me glad by your works. By your work, at the works of your hands, I sing for joy. How great are your works, O Lord, your thoughts are very deep. The stupid man cannot know, the fool cannot understand this, that though the wicked sprout like grass and all evildoers flourish, they are doomed to destruction forever. But you, O Lord, are high forever. Behold your enemies, O Lord. Behold, your enemies shall perish. All evildoers shall be scattered. But you have exalted my horn like that of a wild ox. You have poured over me fresh oil. 
My eyes have seen the downfall of my enemies. My ears have heard the doom of my evil assailants. The righteous flourish like a palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. They still bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap and green to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. This is the word of the Lord. So in just a brief kind of overview, Sabbath is a celebration of God's complete work. That he finished his work of creation, Genesis chapter 2, 1 to 3. And then in Exodus 20, the first uh, time the Sabbath is commanded, the the first uh, account of the Ten Commandments, that God created and then he rested. He got to the seventh day and he finished his work of creation on the seventh day and he set apart that day as holy. And we're to set it apart to the Lord. Sabbath is empty and void of meaning without worship being central. And this is one of the things we celebrate is that God is our creator. Exodus chapter 20. That's the reason the Sabbath is given because on the seventh day, God rested. Therefore, observe, guard, keep the Sabbath. Holy unto the Lord. And then in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 10, uh, 12 to 15, uh, the second accounting of the the Ten Commandments before the people enter the promised land, there's another reason given. Keep and guard and observe the Sabbath. Make it holy unto the Lord. Make sure that you and your household and your servants and your, your animals take a day of rest. For you were slaves in Egypt, and God rescued you with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. And so we're to celebrate Sabbath because it is a remembrance of the rescue that God accomplished for us. And then, I think this flows naturally into this. Genesis 2, 1 to 3, God finished all his work and on that day rested. And then in John chapter 19, 28 to 30, Jesus hanging on the cross, having known that everything is accomplished, said, it is is finished. And the next day was a day of Sabbath. And on that day, he rested in the tomb. Redemption is complete. Creation is complete. Rescue is accomplished. And redemption is complete in Christ. With these cornerstones of the Sabbath firmly in place, that we are worshiping our creator and our redeemer, the song of Psalm 92 fits so well. There's some key thoughts we're going to touch on, and then we're going to celebrate a communion together as we come to the end of this series. Key thoughts on Sabbath worship Worship focuses us on God, and it is declarative. It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night. Actually, you can put an S on the word night because in Hebrew it's plural, in the nights. It might be the watches of the night. No, it's kind of questionable. Why does, why does the author make this plural here? 
in the darknesses, declare the goodness of God. Sabbath worship focuses us on God. It's declarative. Seven times, and I think this is deliberate, the, the name of God, Yahweh, Lord, is mentioned. This is a Sabbath song. Seven times this name is used, and mostly it's in what's called the vocative. It's the, O Lord, you, O Lord, have made me glad. You, O Lord, your works are great. O Lord, you are high forever. Behold your enemies, O Lord. You are planted in the house of the Lord, and we are here to declare the Lord is upright. So give thanks to the Lord over and over. Verse 2 and verse 15, to declare your steadfast love in the morning. Verse 15, to declare that the Lord is upright. It's a declaration. Sabbath is a declaration. The Sabbath song calls us to declare the works and the wonder and the goodness and the uprightness of God. It kind of forms a bracket around the whole thing that we're to declare his covenant love, his faithfulness, his uprightness. And this is revealed throughout the psalm. It's revealed, first of all, by, by the, the wonder the psalmist has about the works of God. And, and what's he talking about here? I think he's just talking about everything. You've made me glad by your work, singular. Your work, your activity of, of what you do and the works, plural, of your hands. Those things we can see. The things that God does for us. The, the wonder of creation around us, draws us to worship him. We declare these things because God's justice is revealed against sin and rebellion, verses 5 to 11. How great are your works, O Lord, your thoughts are very deep. The stupid man cannot know, the fool cannot understand this, that though the wicked sprout like grass and all evildoers flourish, they are doomed to destruction forever. But you, O Lord, are high forever. For behold your enemies, O Lord, for behold your enemies shall perish and all evildoers be scattered. God is a God of justice and sin and rebellion will not, cannot last. They are temporary and they will be done with. The psalmist is celebrating the end of the evil of the world. God of justice we worship a God of justice, but we also worship a God of provision for the righteous and the obedient in verses 12 to 14. The righteous flourish like a palm tree. They grow like a cedar of Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. This sounds a lot like the beginning of the book of Psalms where the righteous are planted by streams of water and their leaf does not wither and everything they do prospers because they have been rooted, planted by the streams of water. And actually the word here for planted, uh, both in Psalm 1 and the word here, same word, is, is kind of the image of transplanting. It's, it's not that that plant just kind of happened to grow in the house of the Lord, but it actually was moved there and transplanted in the house of God, and transplanted by streams of water. It's not its natural first location, but it got moved there. 
God moves us to the streams of living water. Psalm chapter 23, Psalm 23, for you lead me beside quiet waters. You restore my soul. God's provision and God's transplanting us and establishing us in his presence. This is the place of worship, a place of flourishing. And so Psalm 92, the God of justice is our creator. And because he is, Sabbath reminds us that we are created, that God stands apart from all creation. He alone can judge rightly. Everyone and everything lives and sprouts and flourishes. Notice those words. Even the wicked sprout like grass. All evildoers flourish. They grow, they sprout, they flourish. Their life comes from God in the very beginning, but it will be asked of them, what did you do with the life you had? Everyone, therefore, is accountable to the Creator. Everyone is accountable to the Creator. In Romans chapter 1, we read that God's invisible qualities, his divine nature have been clearly seen in what has been created so that men are without excuse. How wonderful are your works, O Lord, the work of your hands. I sing for joy because through those you have revealed your character and your divine power and no one has an excuse to say they didn't know about the existence of the powerful creator God. Everyone, therefore, is accountable to the Creator. But God is not answerable to us on the flip side. Sometimes we want to put God on trial, but He is holy, holy, holy other. Sabbath reminds us we are created, that we are dependent on His work, on His breath, on the life we have. And we are accountable to him for how we live it. Romans 3. After Paul talks about how the world lives and then he turns his, his finger and says, watch out, you who are pointing the finger, you have no excuse, you, you man, who to, to, to judge others. For in passing judgment on others, you condemn yourself. And he goes through the first two chapters outlining the fact that it doesn't matter where you come from or, or, or if you're a Jew or a Gentile, if you've received the special revelation of God or not, we're all on level ground in our sin. As it is written, no one is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. Venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet swift to shed blood. Their paths are ruin and misery and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those under the law so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. God is a God of justice. 
And though the wicked sprout like grass and evildoers flourish, they're doomed to destruction forever. Sabbath reminds us that we are accountable to a creator who is holy, holy, holy. And we need to be transplanted into his kingdom, to his house, where it is only there that we can flourish and bear fruit and declare the uprightness of God. Sabbath reminds us that we are created and accountable to God. Secondly, or or the other side of this is, Sabbath reminds us of our slavery Remember Deuteronomy, you were slaves. Remember the Sabbath, keep it holy because you need to remember that you were enslaved in Egypt, but I brought you out with a mighty hand. Sabbath reminds us of our slavery and that we needed a redeemer, that we could not save ourselves. Rescue and relationship were initiated, accomplished, and consummated by God. If we go back to Exodus chapter 2, the people of God are crying out, and they're just crying out because of their slavery. It doesn't say that they're crying out to God. They're just crying out because things are so bad. But God hears, and God sees, and God knows, and God acts. He takes the initiative Beginning of Exodus 19, they get to the mountain of God. They they get to Horeb and God says, see how I have brought you to myself on eagle's wings. I have done it. I took the initiative. I called Moses. I sent Moses. I empowered Moses. I challenged Pharaoh. And throughout all of the, 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 the first number of chapters of Exodus over and over again, so that you would know that I am the Lord and there is no other so that you would know me, that you would come to experience who I am. God provides a redeemer and a savior. My eyes have seen the downfall of my enemy. My ears have heard the doom of my evil assailants. We've we've gone through the Exodus event been called to the foot of the mountain of God into his holy presence where the righteous flourish planted in the house of God to thrive. Romans 3, 21 to 26. But now the righteousness of God has been manifest apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness in the present time so that he might be just and the justifier 
of the one who has faith in Jesus Christ. We are justified by his grace as a gift. Notice over and over the action of God and his initiative to save. The righteousness of God has been manifest apart from the law. The righteousness of God through faith in Christ. We are justified by his grace. God put forward Jesus Christ as a propitiation to show God's righteousness. He was so patient with us. He shows us his righteousness now in the person and the work of Jesus Christ so that he might be just in condemning sin and the justifier of those who come to faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. And just as in the Psalm, there are only two camps to land in. There's no middle ground. It's one or the other. It's either standing before God in the righteousness of Christ, forgiven because of what Christ has done for us, or it is to remain in death and under judgment because of our sin that we want to hang on to. But God takes so much initiative to draw us back to himself. Ephesians chapter 2, 1 to 10. For you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. And we were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind, but God, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Look again at the initiative of God. He takes the step to raise us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up. And he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his kindness towards us in Christ. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast." For we are his workmanship. We are his workmanship, his work of art. In the Greek, it's poem. We are his poem, his artwork, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Note the action of God in his initiative as our Redeemer and our Savior and our Lord. Psalm 92 is a song for the Sabbath because it celebrates that God is the one who is all steadfast love and faithfulness, who brings us joy at the works of his hands, 
who is just and brings sin to judgment. But he is also the one who restores us, who strengthens us, who causes us to flourish as he plants us in his house, his place of living, his presence. And that's where we need to come. And so we come this morning to the Lord's table because we so much need to know and to respond to this one who is both just and the justifier of those who have faith in Christ. And so this morning, we don't have any songs. I want us to just meditate on these thoughts in silence as we take the bread and the cup. And so I'd ask those who are coming to help serve to join me at the front now. Again, from Romans 3, as we prepare to just meditate on the broken body of the Lord that was broken for us. And now the righteousness of God has been manifest apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction, for all have sinned and are fallen short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. Paul continues a little while on. This is why faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. But the words that was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him, who raised Jesus from the dead, from the dead, our Lord Jesus, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, this morning as we consider your redemption for us, that we have desperately needed a Savior and that every day we need your saving grace gift to carry us through. Lord Jesus, as we take this bread, as we contemplate what you have done for us, and that we so needed a Savior, Lord, help our hearts to rest in that. Lord, for anyone here this morning who has not just simply said, Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. Lord, my sin is between me and you. My attitude has been completely self-centered or I've just been trying to do all the right things and do enough good things to stand in your presence and to earn your favor. Uh, Lord, may you convict our hearts that we can't do anything that your grace to us is a gift. 
that we cannot earn it. We can't be good enough for you. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But because of what Jesus Christ has done for us, we can stand without condemnation in your presence. And so, Lord, may our hearts learn to surrender more and embrace the gift you have given us. As the Christmas song says, cast out our sins and enter in, be born in us today. Lord Jesus, thank you for your broken body. Thank you for your sacrifice that sets us free from sin. Help us to receive the gift. Help us to stop trying so hard to please you. Help us to rest Sabbath in what Jesus Christ has done for us. In Jesus' name, amen.